My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. The Last Supper in the account that the Apostle John gives of our Lord's priestly discourse. Lord, you're discoursing, but also dialoguing with with the Apostles. Our Lord says this, You have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. And that day, you will ask nothing of me. I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. St. Thomas, as we know, St. Thomas Aquinas describes joy as a kind of rest. That joy, that gaudium is the soul's resting in the possession of some good. And specifically, the spiritual joy would be the, the, the will, that higher faculty of desire in the soul, the will resting in a good. And so joy, Lord, our happiness, which you want us to have and to find in you. You have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. It comes from a certain sensitivity, a certain ability, Lord, to recognize the good. To recognize you with our faith, Lord, with our presence of God. So, Lord, we can ask you as we begin this meditation, help me to be more sensitive to your presence in my life. Let the scales fall from my eyes. Help me to live with a more constant faith that God is present, that I have this great good in my life, this great love in my life. And therefore, I always have a motive. I always have a motive for joy. No matter what's happening, no matter how difficult things are, at least in that higher part of my soul where my, where my intellect and my will reside in the penthouse of my soul, joy can reign. And we can even rejoice in our sufferings because we know that God is present and that our sufferings have a meaning, a reason. So, Lord, if we want to be happier, in addition to being more virtuous, of course, because as we know from our Aristotle and our Thomas Aquinas, that happiness is virtuous activity, But that activity isn't just 
what we usually think of as doing. I need to do things. It's also a habit of mind. It's an activity of our intellect, which many times doesn't look like much of an activity. What do I habitually think about? How do I habitually think about things, about God and my life, about others? A thinking in a better way, even though if it becomes a habit, it seems very passive, not very active, can make us happier, Lord, if I'm just more sensitive, more mindful, more ruminating about the good things, but my blessings. Well, then I'll be happier. You will see me again. And I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. This is Our Lady. We'll see her in the Assumption in heaven with that eternal joy of the beatific vision, receiving all the love of God that she's merited by saying yes to him. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And this is why joy can be habitual for us. An always norm, a default mode, and something that no one can take from us because, Lord, no one can take you from me. The greatest good in my life, the greatest source of joy is something that is permanent, is always present, is unassailable, and is very close to me. Which, Lord, is you, is God, is God's love for me. So help me, Lord, to see you more constantly, to think about you more habitually, not to forget you. And in that way, joy would be much more natural to me. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And to be joyful, Lord, not just about you, but about us, about ourselves. Because in your love for us, Lord, you've, you've given us the capacity to love you back. And that is another great good in our life. We should rest in the good that God is, but also rest in the good that God helps us to do, the good that we do for God. And Lord, in your great love for us, you've kind of blurred the lines between us. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If a man love me, he will keep my commandment, and the Father and I will come to him and make our abode with him. And so, Lord, in addition to being joyful in you, we're joyful in our love for you. To find a great joy, to be excited, 
about service, about trying to be more like you, Lord, imitating you, pleasing you more. God loves a cheerful giver. I am among you as one who serves. And isn't that the, isn't that the attitude of people who fall in love? My only desire is to please you. My only point in life is to serve you. And therefore, my only joy is when I can do this. My only joy is found in making you happy. And if you're not happy, no matter what I have, well, then I'm, I'm miserable. If you're not happy with me, then there is no possibility of joy for me. Because you mean that much to me. God loves a cheerful giver. I am among you as one who serves. Our service to others, our service to God, should be a constant source of joy for us. We should constantly be thinking, this is really good. I can please God. This is, no matter what it is, this is awesome. This makes God happy. And if it's humble and if it's difficult, well, in a certain sense, even better. St. Paul writing to the Philippians, not the Filipinos, but the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he knows that his readers are going to be like, oh, come on, always. And so he repeats it. Again, I say rejoice. And then it's not that it's, it's, not that it's uh, some sort of utopia. And so he goes on to say, let all men know your forbearance. Right? How you deal with suffering, how you accept sacrifice. And then he gives the reason. The Lord is at hand. Dominus propriest. God is close, not far. Let all men know your forbearance. Rejoice always. And yet, let people know, let people see how you deal with difficulty, sorrow, sacrifice. In a certain sense, Lord, if our goal is love, as St. Paul says, make love your aim. If our goal is love in that penthouse of our soul, our will, and our mind, and also our higher, our higher emotions, are excited to suffer. Right? They're even happier when it costs more to love. Because it's a proof of our love. We're excited to prove our love for God. And that happens with suffering because suffering is a sign that, well, there's not too much self-interested, right, uh, individualistic 
benefit that I'm getting out of this because it stinks. I don't like, you know, I don't feel good. This is hard. But that higher part of our soul can say, hey, great. Right? Finally, I can do something that is a little bit more selfless and I can prove my love for God with this difficulty, with this period of growth, with this illness, with this, and this, this could be the hardest, with this limitation of myself. Oh, man, I really know that it's not him because everyone else likes him, but I can't stand this guy. And so it's me. I've got a small, crooked, vain, self-centered heart. Doesn't that stink? And now I have to love him anyway. Ugh. And, and even then, right, the higher part of us is like, great. Hug the thorn bush, as Father Ron Gillis would talk about loving people who are difficult, right? You got to hug the thorn bush. It's like, yeah. And you come out with thorn, <laughs> thorns. And, but, you know, it's good for you. And he deserves to be loved. So, Lord, like a good athlete who's looking for the better competition, even though it's harder to, harder to play the better competition, to prove his worth as an athlete, or the soldier who longs for war to show that he's brave and that he's well-trained and that he knows what he's doing. Or, Lord, the suitor, the lover, who's looking for ways... <coughs> looking for ways to show his beloved that he really loves her. Bigger presence, greater sacrifices. Well, Lord, this is us with, with challenge. This is us, Lord, with sacrifice. And part of us needs that. And, and if we never have it, well, then we'll never know what our love is worth and we'll never be able to prove to God how much we love him. And that would be a source of great sadness for us. I never got a chance to show God how much I love him with sacrifice, with certain suffering. Seek love. Make love your aim. And Lord, if that sensitivity to the good, recognizing the, the good that is you and the gift of others in my life, all the blessings that you've given me, the good that is my virtuous activity that pleases you, my forbearance that lets me be brave and loving you, accepting difficulties for you. If all that good depends on this sensitivity to see the good, well, the big enemy here is pride. Right? Pride. Pride is like this lack of vision. We only see the good in a selfish way. We only see the good through the filter of our self-centeredness. And many times it's just the pride of our own judgments, right? Of our own preferences. It keeps us from being happy. There's a kind of a, a hidden way of thinking which keeps us from joy. 
I won't be happy because I'm proud and because I really value my own judgment. I won't be happy unless things are up to my my standards, right? The way that I think they should be, the way that I think I deserve. The way, and if things go and are the way I, des- I decide they should be. And this happens in life, right? It can happen with food. That's not a good donut. No, the good donuts are in the other place. That's not real pizza. Chicago pizza is pizza casserole. It's not pizza. You gotta be able to fold pizza. Which is true, but pizza casserole is still good, you know, no problem with that. That's not how you make a Sunday. It can happen with people. We kind of, because of our prejudices and our reliance and our judgment, we can write off people that we live with. People here are too cold. People here don't read enough. These people are too political. And what's happening? Well, we miss their virtues and we miss their, we forget about their objective goodness. Things, Lord, that make them sources of joy, a joy to be with and a joy to serve. It can happen with service. Right? We're in a certain place. We've got certain talents and we think, Oh yeah, I'll help with the IT. Because I know a lot about computers. Well, someone else can take out the garbage, right? I'll, you know, I'm too good for that. It's a waste of my time. And all those are ways of keeping us, not just from virtue, but from joy. And they're all based on our pride that we we really rely and are attached to our own preferences and our own judgments. We were talking the other day about the fall of Satan or that short journey that the angels make to their final end, right? One choice. And there we see how how bad pride can be that, you know, instead of having this infinite good as their master and Lord, this infinitely enjoyable being, this infinitely and never-ending joyful experience of heaven, of enjoying God and being loved by God. Because of pride, right, they can look at a finite thing and say, no, I want this because this is me. Because I'm the, well, they're not the source of it, but they think they are. I'm the source of this. At least this is mine. So I'd rather be a master in hell than serve in heaven. And a master they're not. They're just miserable. Slaves. of an illusion. But that's how bad pride can distort the vision. To say no to God and yes to it's just a mere creature. Because the creature is closer and because the creature can be controlled. 
because the creature is us. And so, Jesus, you say that no one can take our joy from you, but I think what our Lord means by that is no one outside of us. We certainly can take our joy from us. By not thinking rightly, by not making the effort to be humble, by not reframing suffering and difficulty as opportunities to prove our love, as a soldier would prove his bravery, as a knight would prove his chivalry. And therefore, sources of joy. In that same discourse chapter earlier, John, Jesus talks about his joy. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And Lord Jesus, thank you for this. You love us so much that you want us to be happy, not just with any paltry, weak happiness, but with your happiness and the fullness of joy for us. And what is Jesus' joy? Well, he just kind of gave it away. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. The Father loves the Son. The Father loves the Son. As the Father has loved me, so have I, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. The first ingredient, Lord, of your joy is your being the Son, your being the Son of the Father, knowing the Father's love for you. And the second ingredient is probably something like the joy of knowing that with his own freedom, both in his divinity and in his humanity, he's infinitely pleasing to the Father. I always do what pleases him. And in a human sense, and perhaps also in a divine sense, Lord, your joy will come from forgetting about yourself. Not worrying about yourself. Giving yourself. And this will be our joy, Lord, to know that we're sons of God. To use our freedom to be good sons. Sons who please the Father even more than we do just by being found in you, Lord. And forgetting ourselves, getting, as you do, getting on the cross, laying down our lives in trust of God the Father and in service to others. Lord, don't let me settle for a fake joy. 
that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Don't let me settle, Lord, for the joy that simply pleases my curiosity or my bodily appetites or my ego, my vanity. Don't let me settle, Lord, for a joy that's worldly, that's not your joy and the fullness of joy. Lord, you think I'm worth more than that. And therefore, I am worth more than that. Don't let me settle for cheap joys. Let me have the joy of love, Lord. The noble joy of living to please you, living to serve others. God loves a cheerful giver. And we can look. You know, am I a cheerful giver? Right? Complaining, habitual complaining is a sign that we're not seeing the good in things. Or if we get asked to do something, you know, maybe our first reaction will be, oh, that's hard, you know, uh, it's going to take a couple hours. Uh, but how, you know, how quickly do we snap out of that and say, of course. I remember in Rome, when we were preparing for the priesthood, one of the things they said was, um, you know, if anyone asks you for confession, you're supposed to say, of course, with a big smile on your face. And in Spanish it was, por supuesto, por supuesto. You know, whether it was like three o'clock in the morning or right before dinner or, you know, whatever. Of course. Of course I want to help you. That's what I'm here for. And many times, Lord, the, op- the opposite reaction is, is, the habitual one. Say, ah, really? I'm not just talking about confession, but well, with anything. Oh, come on, the game's about game's about to start. Hey, can you set up dinner? Why didn't you ask me two hours ago? The game's about to. You ever hear of the Super Bowl? Well, it's it's on in two hours, and I got to watch the pregame. You know what? Cribbing my style. (laughs) Lord, help us to light up at the opportunity to serve. And, you know, people have different attitudes. People have different personalities. And so we have to understand that, you know, some people are more chipper about serving than others. And other people, yeah, I don't know, they're more melancholic, more slow to get going. So you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. But with our freedom, right, what's our attitude? Am I excited to serve? Am I happy to serve? I try to see things supernaturally. And Lord, if there's an initial, an initial resistance or reaction, well, then that's an opportunity for mortification, right? To say, okay, fine, I can accept this. I can experience this distaste and do it anyway for love using my freedom, which is a higher power. It's a higher faculty. It doesn't reside in the feelings. Being joyful with that 
higher spiritual joy in doing what's right, knowing what's good, and doing it. And being even happier if part of me is resisting because then that's a sign that I'm loving with with sacrifice, right? Not just in a self-centered, self-interested way. We go to Our Lady, Queen of Heaven. Rejoice and teach us to rejoice as you did to have your great joy in knowing God and loving God and that great holy pride in being pleasing to Him through service. Our Lady, our Mother, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.